0: (laughs) morning evangel it's a good day to be in church yeah Yeah, it is. I've just finished up our first Christmas in Montreal, and uh, now we're on that weird Sunday that's between Christmas and New Year's, and so I've walked around saying hello to people. I don't know whether I'm supposed to say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year or Merry New Year or something in between, and so I've been mostly stumbling over myself saying hello to people and trying to figure out the correct greeting. So it's that odd Sunday that falls in between, and the other thing that's odd about the Sunday that falls in between is you end up having a lot of your regular people that are out of town They're away visiting family and friends. And then we also tend to have a bunch of visitors that are here who are out of their town here visiting family and friends here. So we got a weird mix going on. And so since it's a little bit of a a different Sunday and a little bit odd, we're going to do things a little bit differently. And I hope that's okay with you because I don't actually have a plan B. Okay, so we're going to go with what my plan is, and uh, it's going to be just a little bit interactive this morning, and um, it's going to work best if you decide right now I'm going to respond a little bit, I'm going to participate a little bit, Okay, and you go, I don't know what that means, and I'm not committing to anything. Here's what's going to happen. It's not going to be embarrassing. You don't need to be afraid of anything, but there are going to be moments as we go through where we're going to give opportunity for you to respond, just you and God. Okay, nobody else is going to know what's happening, but we're going to pause because how many think it's important to actually take scripture and actually hear it and respond to it in some way from time to time? Two of you do. And the rest of you, that's, that's good. You're, but we're going we're gonna to give it a shot and, and give a chance for, for God to speak to us. And so we've been doing um, this, this series called Oh Little Town. And uh, somebody actually asked me today, are you going to sing today? And I said, a little bit. And uh, so we've been doing this series that goes through the Christmas carol, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, right? And you know that one. And uh, the first week we talked about the huge moment when light just shone in the darkness. And we talked about everything that had led up to that and all of the um, the big picture stuff of, of way back in the beginning at creation when when God was there and Jesus was there and the Holy Spirit was there and, and they were all there part of creation. And then sin came in and just took everything that was good and just broke it and twisted it and turned it into something evil. And then how the prophet spoke all the way along about how God was going to come he's going to take it back and things were going to get better and he was going to pour light in and how the angels just watched in that whole time and we said and the angels saw when God snuck in that one night in Bethlehem right when nobody else even noticed they didn't even recognize what had happened but the angels saw and they burst into song this moment when light came in the darkness and they knew that the creator of the world had come to take it back back. Remember that one? And then we went into the second week of a little town of Bethlehem and we talked about those those little moments within. And we had, we had a whole tree here and a rocking chair set up and all of that. And we talked about the stories of, of people who Jesus made a difference in them. And we talked about um, a blind man who who had spent his whole life blind and people thought that it was because he was evil or they thought it was because he was shameful or he had done something wrong or his parents had done something wrong. And it turned out that when God saw him, God saw him as somebody with value, and somebody that could be used to bring honor to God, and he said, that's the difference Jesus made in me. And then we we heard from one of the people that had been um, a disciple of Jesus, and, and how he thought that, that in order to follow God, he had to do something and accomplish something huge. And really, he found out the difference that Jesus made was it was just about being in relationship with God, and then obeying from there. And then we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she was so um, amazed to learn that even in the moments of of her deepest pain God was at work and God could bring good out and so we did that the second week and so what we're going to do is one more time today we're going to look at the Christmas story we're actually going to immerse ourselves right in it and so I have my Walmart special nativity scene here That's right. You like that? And we're going to build it as we go this morning. And I want you to shrink yourself down and imagine yourself right in this nativity scene here as we build it. And there's going to be moments where we're going to pause and literally going to pause and you go, Patty, what are you going to do? Nothing. I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear from God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond back to God. And if you're a person that does that through silent prayer, then you can. If you're a person that whispers a prayer, that's okay. If you're a person that likes to write it down, then right now, pull out your pen and paper so you're ready to go. Or pull out your phone if you want. If you want to jot notes on your phone, I trust that you're not going to be Facebooking and all of that during this, right? And if you do, that's fine. This doesn't actually hurt me. And, but I want to give you a chance to respond to God's story. And I want to give God a chance to speak to us because I actually believe that he does speak to us through his word. Okay, so that's what we're going to do today. So here's what I want you to do. Hold out your hands if you're comfortable doing that. For me, this is a symbol of openness and inviting God in. And just, let's just start just by whispering this prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to hear you this morning. Help me to hear you this morning. God, I pray you'd bring our thoughts into line with yours, and you would help us to hear you through your word. Help us to respond to you in a way that matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter
1: 2. About that time, Emperor Augustus gave orders for the names of all people to be listed in record books. These first records were made when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone had to go to their own hometown to be listed, so Joseph had to leave Nazareth in Galilee and go to Bethlehem in Judea. Long ago... Bethlehem had been King David's hometown, and Joseph went there because he was from David's family. Mary was engaged to Joseph and traveled with him to Bethlehem. She was soon going to have a baby, and while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She dressed him in baby clothes and laid him on a bed of hay because there was no room for them in the inn.
0: so we start with Jesus because it's all about him, right? Without Jesus, there is no story. The baby Jesus, it's all about God coming to earth and taking the first step to reestablish relationship and get friendship going again with the people that he had created. And you know what I find amazing about that is that God came like this, in a way that was not designed, in fact, it was designed specifically not to intimidate us, you can't, you can't build a friendship or build a relationship with someone if you come roaring in with it all together and loud and powerful and strong and perfect. It's hard to be friends with somebody that's like that, right? You've got to build a friendship by being authentic and by being vulnerable and by being approachable. And that's how God came. You know, when somebody's perfect, does anyone know anyone who comes off as perfect? They're scary, right? I don't trust them. People that are perfect, they make me a little bit nervous. I'm one of those people that's a little suspicious of of the big name people or the famous people. Because I just, I go, oh, I don't know. They kind of intimidate me. They make me a little bit nervous. A few weeks ago, there was a pastor, one of our visiting pastors, who stood here on this platform and made a statement. And he said, you know, all the perfect people in this church, and you all finished with, left a long time ago. Can I just tell you how relieved I was to hear that? Oh, thank goodness, because I am not perfect, and I'm pretty sure I don't know how to pastor a church that's full of perfect people, and I was so grateful to find that. I like real people. Jeff and I were flipping by on the TV about a week ago, and we flipped by the National Geographic channel, which is supposed to be authentic and genuine, and I don't know, maybe it is, but we were watching, we just stopped and stopped on this show for just a few minutes of a guy who's um, like a survivor of some kind. So he's out in the wilderness, you know, one of those guys. He's out in the wilderness, and he's picking leaves and eating them and, and getting his food from whatever he can scrape together. And, and supposedly it's just him. He's just out there in the wilderness, you know, out there for weeks at a time, months, yay, even years, I don't know. And he's trying to find water, and he's trying to find. He's explaining how he lives. And, and I'm like, and yet, there's a camera crew. Somebody's filming the guy. And then I looked at him a little closer and I said to Jeff, you know, that guy has the most perfectly trimmed beard I've ever seen in my life. And his hair is just perfect. I don't believe him. I don't think he's really living out there in the wilderness. I said to Jeff, I don't believe that guy. That's not real. Can I tell you, I just love that God, when he decided to come to earth and he decided to start a friendship and renew a friendship with people, he didn't come with a camera crew. He didn't come with perfect hair and with a perfectly trimmed beard. He didn't even come the way he did in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai with all kinds of thunder and noise and stuff. He came as this regular baby, approachable, vulnerable, He came as a baby that was going to grow up as a person and have a a real life dealing with the same stuff that we deal with. It's going to deal with the same temptations we deal with, same pain, same moments of joy, same trying to get along with family, same struggles with people that don't like you, same struggles with bad hair days. Same chores, learning how to work, all the regular things that are part of regular life. Jesus was going to experience all that. And let me tell you something. You can trust a God who makes himself vulnerable like that. You can be real with that God. You don't have to put up a front and put up some fake front that says, I'm perfect and I have it all together. You could just come to a God like that and be real. You don't have to have all the answers. You could just be authentic. Can we just take a moment to just ponder that? Let that sink into your head a little bit. Whisper um, this prayer with me if you want to. Jesus, thanks for coming the way that you did. We expected powerful and mighty and strong. And you came approachable and understandable. You came in a way that invited us to connect with you. Just let that sink in for a few seconds. Whisper a prayer back if you want. Let God speak to you. Write down a few notes. Just take a moment. Jesus, thanks for coming the way that you did. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 2.
1: That night, in the fields near Bethlehem, some shepherds were guarding their sheep. All at once, an angel came down to them from the Lord, and the brightness of the Lord's glory flashed around them. The shepherds were frightened, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. I have good news for you, which will make everyone happy. This is the very day in King David's hometown a Savior was born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and you will know who he is because you will find him dressed in baby clothes and lying in a bed of hay. Suddenly, many other angels came down from heaven and joined in praising God. They said, Praise God in heaven, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. After the angels had left and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has told them about. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and they saw the baby lying on a bed of hay. When the shepherds saw Jesus, They told his parents what the angel had said about him. Everyone listened and was surprised. But Mary kept thinking about all this and wondering what it meant. As the shepherds returned to their sheep, they were praising God and saying wonderful things about him. Everything they had seen and heard was just as the angel had said.
0: Shepherds. My uh, nativity scene I got on sale only has one, but it says that there were more than one, and I know this is the shepherd because he's got a sheep wrapped around his neck. But shepherds? Kind of an interesting group, don't you think? Kind of a weird group of people to have at the at the nativity scene. I'm not sure why God decided, I'm going to let angels sing in the sky, and the people that are going to see them are going to be shepherds? Shepherds? I mean, If I was God, I would have chosen differently. It doesn't really make any sense to tell this story to shepherds. There's no prestige attached to being a shepherd. There's no level of societal importance attached to being a shepherd. Shepherds were not people that anyone else wanted really to hang around. Shepherds, um, they, they didn't work on the job for eight hours, you know, starting at nine, finishing at five. Coming home and having a nice supper and a shower and a hot tub and throwing their laundry in with tied extra whatever, right? Shepherds lived in the field. Just let that sink in. Lived in the field. Are there showers in the field? Say it out loud. No. Are there mirrors in the field? No. Are there washing machines in the field? No. Do you want to hang around with a shepherd? Not so much. They didn't actually really have much of a social life except with other shepherds. They probably were lacking in social skills a little bit. They had no influence to spread the news. Why you would tell shepherds, I don't know, because nobody listens to shepherds. Nobody cares what they say. Nobody wants to be anywhere near them. They were kind of considered untrustworthy and unclean, a little bit shifty. They were rough. They were outcasts of society. And they're probably going to come in and they're going to crowd in too close to the new mom and the new baby and invade personal space with all of their smells and just, ugh, right? Shepherds? That's who God announced it to. Not to important people. Not to the media. He didn't do a press release or put it on Twitter. He didn't even tell the important religious people. Didn't even look up some, you know, big-name priests or pastors or something and tell them the story. No, he, he announced his, his arrival to shepherds, to people who were just... um living day to day, just trying to make it. People who lived in a field, people that most of the world tried to avoid, why would he do that? Maybe. Maybe he was thinking that right from the start, he would make sure that everybody knew that nobody was too low, nobody was too dirty, nobody was too scary to connect with God. And isn't it amazing that even at the moment of his birth, Jesus made sure that the people, he made sure to show love and acceptance and value to people that were unloved and unaccepted and devalued right from the moment he was born. Just reflect on that for a moment. Just let that sink in. Ask God to see if he has anything to show you from that. Any prayer that you would whisper back? Wow, God. People are precious to you. You have a special love for those that others don't care about. Remind me of this. Help me to see the irreplaceable value in others. Give me your heart for those that others reject. Just whisper that prayer this morning. Give me your heart. For those that others reject.
2: Hmm. Matthew chapter 2. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was worried, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses and asked them, where will the Messiah be born? They told him, he will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. Herod secretly called in the wise men and asked them when they had first seen the star. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I want to go and worship him too. The wise men listened to what the king said and then left. And the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. They were thrilled and excited to see the star. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshipped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and gave them to him. Later, They were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they went back home by another road.
0: Then we have the wise men. Now, if you were here on Christmas Eve, you participated in a little trivia question list of questions that Pastor Joe gave us, and you learned that almost everything that you think you know about the wise men isn't true. (laughs) Right? First of all, they weren't actually there. They're here in the manger scene because that's what came in the box, and somehow they're part of the story, but they weren't actually there at the manger scene. They saw the star, and they traveled to Bethlehem, and it took them a while to get there because there wasn't anybody that could beam them over Star Trek style. They just had to travel to get there, and it probably took them a couple years, so they weren't actually there. And we don't know that there were three of them. The Bible says wise men. doesn't say how many. There's a tradition that says there was three, and the box had three, so we have three out there. And, by the way, they weren't kings. So if you heard this song that says, we three kings, they weren't kings. They were wise men. They were astrologers, actually. They were astrologers from Persia, maybe uh, South Arabia. They definitely weren't Jewish. So that brings me to the question... Why were they there? Why are they part of the story? Why are these people who aren't even Jewish, who have no connection at all to the story, why are they there? They, these men have no connection at all with the Messiah. They haven't been following the prophets through the centuries, listening to God's promise to the nation of Israel of him bringing back. He was going to send something. He was going to change. This isn't part of their world. It's not part of their frame of reference. Why are they part of the story at all? You ever thought of that? I'll tell you my theory. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were people who were searching for truth in the only way that they knew how. Do you know anybody who's searching for truth and they haven't quite got there yet? Maybe they were people who were searching for God and maybe God saw that in their hearts and saw that they were searching for truth. And so he shared just a little bit of himself, just enough to stir them up and bring them to Christ. Maybe God spoke to them, to outsiders, Maybe God spoke to these outsiders in a way that they could hear. Because it's really amazing when you think about it. They really didn't have, they didn't understand the significance of what it meant that the king of the Jews had been born. Yet somehow they knew it mattered. Somehow they knew they wanted to bring honor. Somehow they knew that there was something there that was important. And that's interesting to me. They didn't know Mary and Joseph, they didn't have any common ground, but they wanted to worship and God brought them to the right place. Let's pause, think about that for a few moments, just reflect on that. God. I hardly know what to do with that. There are people in my life with no connection, no common ground, strangers to me. Their talk and their behavior is not at all similar to mine. I don't even know why they're in my life. Help me to see They might be searching. Maybe they have no church connection. Maybe they're not sure what they're looking for. But maybe you're whispering to them in a way that they can hear. Help me to know what to do with that, God. Maybe you led them to me in order to help so that I could help them meet Jesus. Show me what I need to see there, God. Matthew chapter 1.
2: This is how Jesus Christ was born. A young woman named Mary was engaged to Joseph from King David's family. But before they were married, she learned that she was going to have a baby by God's Holy Spirit. Joseph was a good man and did not want to embarrass Mary in front of everyone. So he decided to quietly call off the wedding. While Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and marry her. Then, after her baby is born, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. After Jesus woke up, he and Mary were soon married, just as the Lord's angel had told him to do. But they did not sleep together before her baby was born. Then Joseph named him Jesus.
0: Joseph. Poor guy. I wonder how he felt at that whole scene, you know, staring down at this baby that had just been born. What what role is he supposed to play in all of this? How do you, How do you parent God? You know, we don't really know much about Joseph. The Bible doesn't say a lot about him, but the parts that we do see, he, he becomes a man that I respect and that I really admire. I think he was probably a guy in the village that every mother in the village was hoping he would choose her daughter to marry because he's a good guy. He's got integrity and he's got honesty and he's got compassion and and he's just he's this good guy and and he gets engaged to Mary and everything's on track and out, preparations are being made and in that time and that culture an engagement was binding it wasn't consummated until the marriage happened but it was it was binding and so the only way that you could um, dissolve that relationship would be through divorce and so he's engaged to Mary and then and then this whole thing happens and this is where we see that Joseph you know whatever else you want to say about him he's not. He's not a jerk. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He finds out that Mary's pregnant and he knows it's not his baby. He could have destroyed her. He could have destroyed her. The rules said that he could. Everybody would agree that he could, but he doesn't. He says, I'm not going to do that. He's compassionate, he's decent. And and in his mind, he's going, well, I'm not going to marry someone who cheated on me before we ever got married, but I'm not going to destroy her. I'll I'll just divorce her quietly. And then an angel appears in a dream, and all of a sudden, everything changes for him. Now, can I just tell you that if you're not in this scene, it seems like he's, that's obvious then, it's an obvious choice he has to make. But if you're him in there, it's not so obvious a choice. An angel appeared in a dream. In a dream. It's just a dream. It would be a little difficult two days after the dream to not start questioning what that dream was. It would be easy to go, well, maybe it was the pizza that I ate the night before that caused the angel to appear to me, right? Or maybe it's just his subconscious trying so hard to rationalize and find a reason for this painful thing that has happened to him, and maybe the dream was all just a concoction of his own inner psyche. And here's the thing. The angel isn't appearing to anybody else. The angel appeared to Mary. Then the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And that's it. So if he decides that this angel really is from God... And that God really is at work in all of this, then he has to make a choice and he has to make a decision and he has to explain to everyone his change of mind. He has to explain and tell his own parents imagine that, that his fiancee is pregnant, that they haven't slept together, and she didn't cheat on him. And he has to tell them this whole story based on an angel that he saw in a dream how do you think that conversation went difficult and and if if joseph decides to believe the angel then he has to live with everybody else's opinion about it those that that pity him oh love is blind those that you know smirk (laughs) joseph always was naive a little bit stupid those that get outright angry at him how could you throw your life away like that what are you why would you believe her he has to live with all of that and the choice is his to make and his alone and it becomes a really tough choice he has to decide if whether he has to decide whether or not he believes it was actually god and then he has to decide if he does choose to believe that it was god then he has to decide to trust that God is going to lead them through this whole thing. No matter what. That's hard. Just let that sink in for a moment. Just respond to that. Let God speak to you through that. God, in a, in a place of tough choices, help me to hear you. Even if it's ripping my heart out, even with everyone else's opinion, help me to find out what you have to say. Help me to believe you. Help me to trust that you will guide me, even if I make a mistake. And then, of course, we have Mary. How did she feel in the middle of all of this? I mean, at the moment that the baby's born, she feels all kinds of joy, love, and excitement. Look at her little boy. But the moments leading up to that, I'm guessing some fear, panic, loneliness... You know, the Bible, um, she she doesn't have any choice at all. She's different than Joseph. He's got a choice to make. She doesn't have a choice. Mary doesn't have any choice over whether she's pregnant or not. She just is. And Mary can't control how Joseph's going to react. That's his decision to make. There's nothing she can do to influence that and to try to make him decide one way or the other. She has no control over the whole thing. She fled to Elizabeth's. She ran to her cousin's house because the angel told her that Elizabeth was safe and Elizabeth would understand and that would be a safe space for her to go. And so she got away from the whispers and from the stares and from the questions probably from her own mother over and over again. She ran away, got away from the hurt that she's facing in Joseph's eyes as she tries to explain to him what is unexplainable. Mary was where she was whether she believed it or not. She had no choice in the matter. She had no control over any of it. And that's, that's hard. Bible records her singing, which is beautiful. I wonder if there were also moments when she was crying. I wonder if there were moments when she just sat and stared, going, what do I do with all this? going over it and over it and over it in her mind. What do I do? And coming back to the conclusion that there's nothing to do. There's nothing she can do. I hope God knows what he's doing. The only thing that Mary could control in this whole situation was her own heart. She couldn't change a single thing of the circumstance. All she could control, all she could choose was how she would behave in the middle of this circumstance. Can I just say, thank God Elizabeth was there for her. Thank God Elizabeth was there to stand with Mary beforehand, not at the moment of Jesus' birth, but beforehand in all that scary time, standing with her, giving her safe space to process reminding her that God was good and God would bring her through this and God did indeed know what he was doing because everybody needs safe space sometimes, even Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here's how I respond to that. Oh, wow. God, I cringe at no control. When I can't change anything, do you help me to find a safe person who will encourage me to trust you? And also, God, would you help me to be that person for someone else? Help me to be a friend who stands alongside someone in an impossible situation, building up their faith, encouraging them when everyone else is tearing them down. Help me to help them to trust that you are accomplishing your purposes. Just let that sink in for a moment. In the end, it's a story about people. Just people. Jesus was born surrounded by the weirdest crew, the oddest mix of people in the world. And he was born surrounded by the same kind of people that you and I are surrounded by. People that nobody wants to hang around, who are unimportant, who maybe have weird social skills, and they're outcast in society, like the shepherds. Or people who are just so different from us, and and we can't find any common ground, and it's really difficult to find where the connection is, but they might be people that are searching for God, but they're doing it in a way that's totally foreign to us, like the wise men. We're surrounded by people who are at a crossroads in life, having to make a decision, a really tough choice that's going to impact everything, not sure if they're going to make a mistake or not, and the choice is theirs alone, and they have to live with everybody else's opinions about it, even while their own hearts are being ripped out, like Joseph. And we're surrounded by people who are in circumstances beyond any control, and they can't do a single thing to change it. They just need help trusting that God is in control. We're surrounded by people Jesus loves and by people that Jesus came for and by people with whom he wanted to connect except now, here's the thing. They look at us. They don't look like a little baby in a manger anymore. They look at you. And they look at me to show them who God is and to show them who Jesus is. And the beautiful thing is, we don't have to be perfect while we do it. We don't have to have a camera crew. We don't have to have perfect hair and have everything all just so. We just have to be real, genuine, authentic, A little bit vulnerable sometimes, because that's how you build friendships. We just have to be like Jesus, and so that's the last prayer that we pray this morning. Jesus, help me to be like you. Help me to be like you. The last verse of "O Little Town of Bethlehem," it's a prayer that welcomes Jesus into our own lives, not just at Christmas, but every day. Calls him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a prayer inviting him in. Maybe you'll sing it with me. Oh holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to Abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. And so our God, this morning we do pray that prayer. We ask that you would just simply come and live with us. Just simply come and abide with us and be God with us. some of us that are here this morning and you've prayed some of those prayers or you've reflected on some of it and, and it's mattered to you and it's meaningful to you and you might not be sure why but you know it mattered if you're here today and you're a person that says i i prayed some of those prayers and and god connected with me if you want somebody to help you with that, you're welcome to come on up at any moment in the next few minutes. There's elders here at the front, people that are just a little further along the faith journey, and they would be happy to pray with you and talk with you. But I'm going to ask if you would stand at this moment. Just stand. The worship team is going to lead us in that prayer just one more time, then we'll close our service in prayer.
2: Oh, oh child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray.
0: this service to a close we do ask that you would live with us but not just for us but that you would help us God to carry you out to every place that we go God people don't look to a baby in a manger anymore but they can see Jesus in us we're asking that you would help us to carry Jesus well Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go this week, whether it's to family or to friends or to our workplace. Anything that we do this week, would you help us to help others see Jesus? Would you help us to show people who God is? Would you help us to come alongside of people that are in need of somebody, to come alongside them? Would you help us, God, to stand with people and to say, this is who God is? can help you meet him god i ask that you would cover over and keep safe every person that's here you would bring us back safely next week help us in everything we do to honor you and bless each other and we ask this in jesus name amen god bless you have a fantastic rest of christmas and new year's we'll see you here at ten thirty new year's eve There's coffee downstairs at the Connect Cafe. Make sure you say hello to someone, and uh, we'll see you next week.